in this episode of A Man's Journey, we focus in on mental health. June is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. And I just wanted to bring more awareness to this topic. This also has a big place in my heart because my mother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder is how common mental health disorders are in America and how many people deal with this on a daily basis. We hone in more on bipolar disorder in this episode with Chris Van Deventer, who I also met and went through Man Uncivilized leadership and coaching uh, certification with. And this is where I learned that Chris deals with his bipolar disorder through creative storytelling, extreme vulnerability, and poetry. Hey, Chris. So uh, for the viewers, I'm here with Chris Van Deventer. Uh, I had the opportunity to go through the Uncivilized Man coaching certification uh, with Chris. And this is where I learned that Chris was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. And I really was excited to, to learn more and share with everyone that's listening about how he transitioned from this uh, struggling with this to thriving with this. And so Chris, uh, welcome and thank you for, for coming on. Thanks, Alex. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for this space that you're providing for, for me to feel safe being here and for others to feel safe um, listening. So I'm super happy that. to be here, man. Uh, so Chris, tell, tell the viewers uh, a little bit about yourself, your story, uh, and, and let's dive deep into this. Yeah. So like you said, like uh, four years ago now, I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder and I do amongst the work I'm doing as a creative person, as a poet and the work that I've dived into in men's work. Uh, I've been picking and choosing where I share that information of that diagnosis. And um, I think the reason that I've been doing that is because a lot of people don't know what to do with that information. We're taught a lot of things through media and such. And when I'm trying to be a full-time leader in my life to lead other men into more vulnerability, uh, I do have to wonder if the word bipolar would make a person think, oh, this isn't a person that can lead. This isn't a person I can follow because they're crazy. And I, it's been a huge lesson for me understanding what that word bipolar does with my life. It, I was diagnosed for a reason. I've experienced uh, extreme highs, mania, absolute joy um, to the point that I lose some of my self-awareness. And I've experienced extreme lows not being able to get out of bed for days and ultimately being suicidal and attempting to take my life. The way that I understand bipolar that anyone can understand is that we all go through highs and lows. We all go through ebbs and flows in our life, both from external impacts as well as internal. 
like when good things happen in our life, we naturally get happier. When bad things happen, we naturally start to struggle a bit more. When our hormones and our energy levels in us go up and go down, we react to both internal and external first forces. The way I understand bipolar in a simple view is that this is just this highs and lows is highlighted. It's emphasized. You go a little bit higher, you go a little bit lower. Uh, how we take care of ourselves and our body will naturally balance that. How we steady the things that we can control, the external things in our life that we can control will naturally balance that. So you and I, Alex, we're going through the same story. We have our different versions, obviously. The biggest difference I see is just that depression is around the corner for me I know it very well I know you have your own struggles sometimes my depression might just be lower because that chemical imbalance is is greater for me but either way we're both trying to achieve balance in our lives it's still very important like I know it's important to you balancing your work life with your family life being a family man I know how much that means to you and how much you're working on yourself to find that balance, to allow yourself to get the most out of your life. I'm doing the same thing uh, and I'm just learning the impact that my highs and lows can have can be very strong. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to go back four years ago. You, you talked about being diagnosed four years ago. Tell me, walk me through that time of your life. You know, obviously there were some things that led up to your diagnosis, but how, how did you cope with learning about this? Uh, take me through all of that. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a believer in extreme vulnerability. Um, I believe it's an adrenaline sport. And so this was right around the time where I started to express myself very vulnerably on social media. And I actually remember uh, I told my girlfriend, my partner at the time, um, but I didn't know how else to express it. And so I turned to social media and I remember taking a video in my room, super calm, super baseline, just being like, hey, I'm bipolar and everything's good just getting that out there and then I posted it and absolutely broke down because saying the words I am bipolar I didn't realize how much that was going to affect me and how much my inner dialogue blew up with all the stories I've heard of people being crazy having bipolar this that and so that was one of my first practices in being super vulnerable online and I got a good reception from friends and family mentors all this and people that I still hear mention it sometimes when they when someone's acting out when someone's being highly emotional or something we don't know how to explain their actions it slips out sometimes I don't I don't know maybe they're bipolar or something and when I'm not on top of my understanding. It really does impact me. And I think, how can I do this? How can I find balance? How can I lead people when I have had periods in my life of being so low? That time that when I got diagnosed, 
um, I was coming out of a crazy summer where I had lost my self-awareness in spending a ton of money and partying a lot and the low was just coming on um, where I look back at what I've done and I start labeling everything I've done as being a failure. And I started turning to that diagnosis when I was low as a way, as a way to beat myself up even more. Um, when it got down to it, and I had all these like pretty potent medications that were meant to balance me out, I saw them as a way um, to relieve some of the pain I was feeling. Uh, I remember waking up on a Tuesday morning. Just that Friday night, I'd been at the bar with my friend telling him about how great I was doing. Now that I had this diagnosis, I had a better understanding, which is true. But at the time, I was still taking on all the negative connotations around it. And I woke up Tuesday morning and just felt this absolute low. It was like I gained 200 pounds overnight. I was so heavy, couldn't lift my head up anymore. I was so ashamed of who I was. I wouldn't have lifted my head up even if I could. Um, and that was a time where the low hit so hard so fast that I thought there was only one way out. Um, and I ended up overdosing on those medications. Um, and thankfully, thankfully ended up getting to the hospital that night and, um, and recovering, but the, the wall went up, the shield went up and I wanted to pretend I was okay again. And by the next morning, I was still so high off the drugs and the effects of it that I couldn't walk from the, the drugs that I, the medication that I'd overdosed on. Um, I couldn't walk, but I still managed to convince the doctor, the psychiatrist to let me go. And so they had to wheelchair me out of the hospital just so I could get a ride home. Telling one like 10 hours after I tried to take my life, I was already trying to convince people I was okay again. Um, because there's still this innate thing in me of when I'm absolutely struggling, this idea that I can't ask for help is so strong. That's where I relate to other men. I don't think it matters what your diagnosis is. So many of us have that deep in us. And I'm like, how can we get that out? How can we get rid of that idea that I don't need or I'm not deserving of help when I'm struggling? That's, that's a, very, a very powerful message. And um, something that stuck out to me, and I, and I told you the statistic on this, uh, because you correlated this to men in general, right? 21% of U.S. adults, and this is not just men, but this is women and men, which is about 52.9 million people in 2020 struggled with a mental health condition. So I understand that we're talking about bipolar here, 
Um, and this is just a general mental health condition. And, th and that's from NAMI.org. And then the other statistics that I gathered that was really, really powerful to me is that the CDC put 50% uh, of uh, the society will at some point in their life struggle with a mental health condition. And I, I throw statistics out there, not as like, oh, you know, you're doomed or, or whatever the case, you know, may be, but that this is a, a, possibly a very common, you know, mental health is very common that people struggle with. And so I wanted to ask you, what was the toughest thing? What was the toughest situation or whatever kept coming up for you during this process from four years ago? all the way up until now? Like what has been a the toughest thing for you? Mm. Yeah, I touched on it a little bit. Uh, like I was using it to beat myself even up even more when I was low um, because there's this misunderstanding around different mental health diagnoses. Like you just named it like 50 something million people and we can't toss 50 million people and say, oh, they're crazy. Like everybody knows someone. Like when I brought it up prior on the call, you knew someone. Like um, it affects all of us, whether you are one of the 50 million people that have this a diagnosis with men a mental health struggle or you just know someone. And so we're all learning to deal with this. And I would take it and use it to beat myself up more and to put myself down into like a self shame cycle. Uh, it really feeds my imposter syndrome. I'm a certified um, man uncivilized coach, as you mentioned now, and I've been sitting with my imposter syndrome. I think the like I have the evidence that I can help other men because I'm doing it and yet when I get into that imposter syndrome, which so many of us know, we're trying something new. We're trying on a new bodysuit. Like it's not always going to fit perfect at the start because it's new to us. But I turn right to, I get that voice in my head. Like you are bipolar, Chris. What happens when you're in a low? You know, we just went through it. Me and you, we just went through a 12 week leadership and coaching program together and through those 12 weeks I probably went through two pretty heavy lows um, they were more based on external you know I had a business um, that wasn't working out well I had some family stuff those external factors hit me really hard and I had a couple weeks of lows and I still showed up like that has been and I'm sure we're going to get more into this, but that has played a huge role in my transformation, like taking the, no matter what's going on for you, just show up. Like sometimes I can show up and run a half marathon. <laughs> like sometimes I run hundred kilometers a week. I don't know what that is in miles. Sorry, brother. Uh, and, you know, I work out at six days a week and I feel fucking great. And other times it's like, all right, can you get on this, this coaching call for an hour and go for a walk today? And that's what you're going to do. But I'm getting rid of the, 
the beating myself up aspect and turning to more a more compassionate approach Mm -hmm. and and it is truly remarkable to see that transformation in the 12 weeks that we were we were through going through those courses and you know and I mentioned this to you before we got on on the call but like when I when I say thriving with this condition I am fully aware that it's it's not there's not always going to be highs right it's 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 like hills but understanding that your coping mechanisms, the, th the, the people you put yourself around, the things that you do to take care of yourself when you're having those lows, to, to have more highs than lows is what I mean by that. And when you were talking, something that came to mind to me, I was, I was getting my hair cut today and I was overhearing two women talking, uh, one, well, one woman was talking about her husband and that he was, he was very depressed. He just learned that he's not gonna be able to work again and that you know he's just going through a hard time and I, I sat there and I was just listening and listening and I was like man what is the what is the best thing for that that man any man and it initially came to mind and you said it right we cannot do this alone the the, the time of the lone wolf is no longer there surrounding yourself with other men doing the work is going to help you grow and help you understand what you're going through. And, and so I want to, I want to go back and highlight something that you mentioned earlier, because I really do think that it's something that helps you. You, you, you talked about your expressive, expressive nature. And I just love it when I see it on Instagram, tell me how poetry and your, your creative side has helped you navigate through this. Mm. Yeah, so good question. First of all, like totally agree. We can't do this alone. I experienced that. I'm amazed that I made a little bit of progress on my own, but it was very incomplete. I could make progress during my highs when I was alone. I felt a bit of pride, false pride in being a lone wolf. But when I got back to those lows, it was right back to the bottom because I didn't have anyone to help support me. And so I totally agree with that. Um, I was a closeted poet until about two years ago. I denied the idea that I could have some creative energy in me because uh, I was too busy trying to fit a label of what I thought a real man was. And... I got to the point where I felt such a calling. I couldn't ignore it anymore. I had written this poem about masculinity and I needed to share it. And as soon as I shared it once, it was terrible. I was shaking. I hadn't done public speaking before. Um, it only took a few people of telling me like the world needs to hear this. You understand that, right? Um, and so I was able to challenge myself to the point of like, at that point, I didn't know what it would do for me. But I told myself, well, if the world needs to hear this, if there's men that need to hear this, I need to do that service of putting it out there. 
And then once I started sharing poetry on social media, especially my spoken word poetry, and realized it was creating connection, like I'd have people message me about what it meant for me, for them, we'd start having conversations about it, I'd get to reveal more parts of myself, they'd reveal parts of them, uh, we'd come together in the idea of wanting to make this a safer, more lovable world, I would feel a high that didn't hurt anyone, a high that had no negative consequences, um, a high that was forming connection with myself and others. And since then, I leaned into poetry. I started writing every day. Uh, when I'm feeling good, I write about the things I wonder, my curiosities in the world. When I'm feeling low, I write about how terrible I feel. And it just, it's a tool to like get some of this emotion moving, to get something out of me. Sometimes it sounds really cool. That's just the plus now. It's like I write to keep my emotions moving to keep analyzing where I'm at and to keep working on balancing myself. And then sometimes it comes out and it's like, whoa, that sounds cool. Okay, now I've got a poem. Now I got something that I'm gonna share with the world. And I've been honored by how it's being received. So much, so much positivity. Um, so many people that are, for whatever reason, I'm truly humbled for whatever reason people um, resonate with the words that come out of my mouth and uh, I feel more connected when that happens. I can tell you this from firsthand experience, like you impacted my life by your poetry. I remember when we first met each other and we were going through this I, and I started following you on Instagram. I didn't know how powerful just getting your thoughts on a piece of paper were. And I started to do poetry myself. And I have some poetry that I haven't published to the world. There's some that I did. But I realize when I don't write or I don't get those thoughts out, I don't feel as well as when I do. And then the, just the power of that speaks volumes. I have videos just like, you know, watching your videos of doing poetry. And how I remember when I first did those videos, how shaky I was. But then afterwards, I was like, ah, I feel so good. I started to scream more on camera. You know, I, I love your, you you taught me the, just let it out, right? So the, the big lions roar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I say all that, not not for a plug, but I, I, I mentioned this to you earlier, but you're having a creative writing class June 12th that you, it's free, you're open to the public, they can sign up on your Instagram, and that's when you're going to really di dive deeper into your poetry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just, uh, I'm very excited for it. I'm going to be sharing one of the techniques that I use often um, for when I have a feeling I don't know what to do with or a memory I don't know what to do with. Um, anxiety I don't know what to do with uh, I've got a simple technique that I use to write it all down and sometimes uh, if we're honored enough it's 
it turns into a poem, which is awesome. And it's like people don't need a creative baseline. They just have to bring themselves. That's it. Okay. And this a little bit of a willingness to be vulnerable helps. You can show up however, however you are. Well, I know I'm excited to join. Uh, I'm going to sign up and, and attend to that. And I, and I don't want to get too much off topic because poetry does have a play into what you do now. What did you do to cope uh, before uh, poetry and before surrounding yourself with other men and things of that nature? Uh, I didn't, before that happened, I didn't have a great coping system. Um, I was learning to create more wholeness in my life. I have a phrase I go by, seek, seek the goodness in every day. Seek is an acronym, S-E-E-C-C, sleep, eat, exercise, create, connect. That's a way to take remind myself to, to take care of myself um, and so that has really helped me on a day-to-day -day basis um, I got to the point where I knew if I was low enough I had to go to the crisis center to drop in and talk to a counselor um, and I was going to therapy regularly and this long process of transformation took a giant step when I met Traver Boehm and I joined a men's community because uh, there was this whole, this piece that was missing the whole time I was healing myself. I went to a wellness retreat about four years ago around the same time after this diagnosis. And I remember sitting in a big circle and seeing a man about my father's age cry like a baby and bawl his eyes out. And I was so uncomfortable. Half of it was I was feeling, through empathy, I was feeling half of the hurt he was feeling. I was feeling broken. I was feeling six years old. The other half of the discomfort was like, because it wasn't normal for me. I could count on one hand how many times I'd see a grown man cry in my life. I was like, what? This happened? I was so uncomfortable with the idea of that. I was like, get me out of here. Fast forward four years later, I'm now in a men's community. Uh, I'm getting on calls with, with other men a few times a week. Sometimes I cry, sometimes they cry. Uh, that piece that men's community has saved my life in a whole new level so let's let's talk about that for for a second and this leads to my next question at what point did you say enough is enough i need to shift the narrative and and, and change the outcome of my life hmm. that's a good question I said that a few times, doesn't always work right away. I've written that chaos and change both start the same. So sometimes when we're in absolute chaos, um, that's when the change becomes 
most necessary. That's when we really get the chance to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, who you got to do something about this. I was constantly coming back to a place of being suicidal of contemplating if I try to live another day or if I give in to these suicidal thoughts. And I was in a point of chaos when I asked maybe, like maybe this isn't the question I wanna be facing every day. Maybe I want to be convincing myself, constantly providing myself with evidence of why my life is worth living. Instead of sitting with the question, is it worth living or not? I'm going to take a stance here. I'm going to say it is worth living. And I'm going to start providing myself with reasons to back that up. Um, that in, Jumping into vulnerability, people ask me sometimes how can you do that? Or they say, I could never do something like that. That's like the scariest thing in the world to me is like stepping up on a stage, which I've done sometimes or getting behind the camera and speaking your like true deepest self. That's terrifying. How could you do that? I'm like, yeah, it is terrifying. That's the scariest thing for me too. I got told once, if you want to feel alive, do what truly scares you. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not doing this because it's easy. So I'm like, oh, it's easy for me to get up on stage. It's easy for me to spit out all these terrifying things about myself, the shameful things I've done in my life. I'm doing this because it helps me feel more alive. If you had one piece of advice, and I know this is a tough question, but if you had one piece of advice for, uh, for yourself four years ago or anybody else that's going through bipolar two disorder, what would it be? Slow down. Slow down. Uh, the of all the self-care tools that we often hear exercise like i try to exercise daily has an amazing effect eat healthy food create connections talk about it all these positive things uh meditation is what i have felt the most um drawn away from like i don't want to do that and it has been the most helpful. <laughs> there's a saying uh, that, I, that I tell people, where there's resistance, there's growth, right? And, and, and I expand even more and say with growth comes connection, connection to self. And with connection to self comes happiness. And I always remind myself when something is like, it, when I feel that resistance, I try to open up, I look inward and I try to open up even more because I feel like that's the biggest opportunity for growth. Mm. I completely agree with that. And coming, yeah, coming back to the meditation, it's like, 
I, I'm a, I've gone through periods of deep isolation in my life and I am a naturally person, naturally a person of solitude. I like to spend a lot of time by myself when I'm feeling good and bad. Um, and so I'm like, why would I want to meditate and just sit alone with my thoughts? I'm with my thoughts all the time. But when I do it with intention, like you're saying, I'm like, going into that going deeper into that and I sit with my thoughts and I start observing them in meditation all like I fight through that anxiety that's telling me to stop and then sometimes it just slows right down and all of a sudden I can actually observe my thoughts I can see them without applying guilt or shame I can better understand myself, gain self-awareness. Oh, this is why I'm acting this way. This is why I'm doing this. What do I really want here? I just need to slow down. And that seems so hard sometimes when I'm frantic, when we're in a high and we just want that momentum to keep going and keep going. If we don't slow ourselves down, life will. Sometimes we got to learn it the hard way. I keep learning it the hard way. Um, so to lean in the, to that discomfort when I'm on my own, to so just sit down and meditate, let my thoughts slow down. It's the growth is immeasurable. What do you do now to cope? You shifted the narrative. You, you've taken back. I use the term taking back your life. You you surrounded yourself with this men's group, which I am a firm believer in. You know, I, I'm full on board. I got the tattoo. Like I, I go to all the, try to get as many retreats as I can. You know, like I'm with you, man. Like Traver Boehm, if you're listening and you're trying to look for a movement, the uncivilized nation is the movement that I, sh I really encourage you to look into. It's not for all, but it, it's something that people should look into. Tell me what you do to cope uh, now when you, when you're, when you feel like you're having a down day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, that men's community has been so helpful for me. I do have like the last um, stronger, low, larger low I had a few weeks ago. Um, I still, I lost a day or two sitting in my, in my pain, sitting in my darkness alone, not moving through it. Um, but that time, the first thing I did was reached out to a, a guy that I'd met through the uncivilized nation and, and got on a call. And we talked about this, uh, this pain we related over the feeling that there's a, there's a black hole in me, something that I cannot fill and accepting that I um now when I'm sitting at home and my emotions are overwhelming me uh and I can't find the words I turn to physical exercise I go for a run I do 100 push-ups um when I'm feeling so low like the effect that my mental health struggles have on me is that sometimes I can do a hundred pushups in a day. And like I said, sometimes I can barely get out of bed. So 
I'm reasonable with that. And other times it's going for a walk because that's what I'm capable of, but I know I still need to get that physical exercise. I reach out to people. Generally now it's men because I have that safe space. I exercise and I write. The first thing I ever wrote in a journal when I was 18 and I heard that writing helps you better analyze your thoughts. The first words I wrote down were I want to kill myself. And by the end of the page, I wanted to kill myself a little bit less. Nothing had changed. I was just getting it out. Energy in motion, emotions, keep moving, slow down and keep going. That's the biggest thing that I've learned uh, recently is when I'm, when I'm frustrated or like you mentioned, like you just don't know what, you know, like how to get it out. I, I've resorted to push-ups and I've, I've resorted to why I'm doing push-ups. Like I, I just grunt like, ah. Ah, and I know that my wife has looked at me and she's like, what the hell are you doing? But I can do a lot more push-ups. Try this at home if you're listening. And I encourage you to do it, Chris. Like when you're doing push-ups, just grunt. And, <laughs> I'm, and, and I'm telling you, you're going to be able to do more push-ups than you would, you would think. And when you're done, you're, you're feeling amazing. You're feeling better. I'll use the term better, right? Because everybody feels something different. But I feel like you feel better because you just got some built up energy, like you said, out of your body. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into it. I'll do the grunts for sure. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> so I, I haven't done this with my other two guests, but I'm, I'm going to I'm just going off the cusp here. I'm, I just talk for a minute two minutes about anything that you want could be mental health related. I just want to give you the floor on anything that you'd like to address. Hmm. That's a good question, man. Uh, yeah, I was mentioning slow down and keep going. And there's so much confusion in that to some people, it seems like a contradiction. finding balance. We're talking about all these little self-care things of doing push-ups or getting some exercise or journaling a little bit. And we hear these things over and over and over again. When, when you're first looking for change, when you're in chaos, when you're struggling and you go out and you start looking into um, personal development, self-growth and stuff. And I used to get so frustrated. It's like, I need change. Like I need transformation and you're asking for all these little things. And um, it's hard to get through to someone like to Alex from nine months ago when he's facing all these massive life challenges. And it's like, we'll just do some push-ups, just do some writing because it's the continuity of these little things that are going to create the transformation. Like we've talked about specific moments. I've talked about getting diagnosed. I've talked about seeing another man cry for one of the first times. Um, meeting a person that has had a massive effect, but it's 
the continuation of all these little things that allow us to see transformation over time, because I'm still the same person. I'm still the person that struggles. I still get to points of feeling so low that I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I feel disconnected. I don't feel worthy of change. And doing these little things over time help us get through those big periods, those dark periods. Um, it's just such a common thing. We talk about all these times, these transformational moments, but those transformational moments would be nothing if I went back to doing the same daily habits that I had been doing before. I had to change the little things. And that's why it's, for me, it's slow down and keep going because it's not like have this big experience and then your life changes forever. It's have this big experience, go back to focusing on what you can control daily, these small things, these responses rather than reactions, doing push-ups instead of taking it out on a loved one, like those little things that build up that create our transformations. They don't just happen. We have to create them over time. Yeah, and I, I, I tie this back. Everything that we, that the way we, we react to things is conditioned behavior. And so like that, the great thing about conditioned behavior is that it can be, it, it can be done undone, right? And so when, what I take away from what you said, consistency over time equals trust. Shout out to Robert Wunderlich for that quote. And that you have the ability to play with what you're dealing with to undo the conditions that were put on you. And I, I think that, like you said, sitting with yourself, understanding what you're going through and, and doing those little things, you're still you, but you're transforming over that, that period of time. exactly mm -hmm. tell me or we'll tell the listeners how can they get in touch with you so i know you're doing this june 12th uh, poetry uh, class let's talk about that the master class talk about how they can reach out to you if if what your message resonated with them how they could get on a phone call with you etc well first of all i will tell you alex that if you need to get a hold of me, you've got my number and you can call me anytime. Absolutely. Because I'm because I'm with you and I've got your back. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, brother. 